Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Today comes out of Matthew's Gospel, beginning in the second chapter. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. And he called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law and he asked them, Where is the Christ to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet has written. For you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler and all will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. So Herod called the Magi secretly and found them and told them the exact star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him too. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where he was born. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold frankincense, and myrrh. And having been born in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, as we gather together to worship and to praise you, as we take another step on our journey in Advent, a step to where we get to celebrate your birth as we prepare our hearts, our lives, our homes, our very beings to celebrate the greatest gift of all. May our ears be opened to hear clearly what you would say to us today so that having heard these words, our lives would be transformed so that we would not just be merely hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. Think with me about all the gifts that you have received in your lifetime. What is one of the most meaningful gifts that you have been given? Maybe it was that pencil cup that sits on your desk that's really made out of a tin can wrapped in cord, covered in glue and shellac that a a child gave you after summer camp. Or maybe it is a well-used and dull but worn pocket knife that was carried by a family friend who passed it along as a rite of passage and a bit of wisdom. For me, as I think about that question, one of the greatest gifts I received is a book of my great-great-grandfather's sermons given to me by a family friend who had received that same book as a gift from my great-grandmother. 
And this friend wanted me to have a copy of it for my life. And it was given to me at my ordination. And I think about that book and sometimes I pull it off the shelf and I leaf through it and I read those words. But I think about the gift itself. First given to her and then she to me. What is it about gifts like these? Gifts like that book, that gift you're thinking of. What is it about gifts like those that are so important to us? I mean, they're different than the gifts that we might receive on any normal gift-giving occasion. You know, the latest iPhone or the PlayStation 5 or that perfect outfit or something from Jared or perfume. And I'm not dissing any of those. Those are great gifts. But I'm talking about what is it that makes certain gifts rise to the top of the list? To be in that list of all-time important gifts that we have received. I think maybe the answer to that gift is found in our Advent journey. Today we follow the star alongside the Magi, the wise men as we know them. Now we don't know really how many there were, but legend it goes with three because there were three gifts. But what we do know about them is that they were smart men, that they were great leaders because they knew how to read the sky and the stars and they knew how to understand what was going on with science, that something big was being celebrated in the heavens. We know that they were royalty because they were given an audience with King Herod. But you see, what's more important is their journey itself. Because it's their journey that tells us what our journey should be like. First, we know that they traveled a long distance to get to the manger. Second, that we know that when they arrived, that they, these kings, bowed down and worshipped Christ. And third, what we know is that they gave great, valuable, wonderful gifts. I mean, as we begin to see how their story unfolds, how they traveled, we know that they were extraordinary scholars. They saw that star in the sky, they knew that something big, something important was happening and so they had to follow it. Maybe it was not just the science, but the Holy Spirit speaking to their hearts. And so they embarked to see. They went on that long journey across the deserts, arduous at times, just to find themselves at the manger, just to see Jesus. And see, so the implication for us is that we know the rest of the story, right? I mean, we know what they were searching for because we know the rest of the story. They were a little unsure until they got to Herod. But you see, for us to really mimic their journey, that we too have got to make a deep, devoted journey in our own lives. See, for us to claim the gift of Christ with a gift of grace that's available to us, we've got to make a journey ourselves. We've got to make those steps. Grace is available, but it's only available if we up and seize it. I think of our hymnody, how our hymns influence our faith. Hymns like, it's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When we say hymns and sing hymns like that, we are claiming that we cannot do life by ourselves, that it's God's power and God's Holy Spirit that carries us over 
the good times, but most definitely the bad. Or we say, here I am, Lord, send me. When we echo that hymn, we begin to realize that we are called for something greater than just bumping along through life. We are called to cross deserts. We are called to go on an arduous journey. Maybe it's even to claim our faith much like Peter did when he said, Lord, not just my feet, but all of me. Claiming that we want to be bathed in God's love, God's grace, and God's Holy Spirit. We want to come to the altar and we want to have the water poured over our heads and to fill our lives so that we know without a shadow of a doubt who we are, but more importantly, whose we are. So what we learn from these magi, what we learn from these wise men is to make that journey, to make a serious commitment to follow, to seek Christ no matter where the calling may take us, to be a part of that every step of the way. College classmate posted on Facebook just a few weeks ago that he had signed up to be a through hiker on the Appalachian Trail. Now, if you know anything about that, it starts in Springer Mountain, Georgia, and goes all the way up into Maine. This is not a walk for the faint of heart. It takes months of planning, months of preparation, lots of commitment, because you've got to figure out how to send supplies ahead and then to stay on pace, to hike when the weather is cold and wet to face adversity when the flies and the mosquitoes and the heat of the summer are out, to start in early March to finish in time before the snows shut down the mountain passes in Maine. See, in life for us, we've got to have that kind of a commitment where we are willing to do whatever it takes in our journey to come alongside the other characters at the manger so that we too may see the child born king of the Jews. But the image of that, just not just making the journey, these magi taking that and calling us to do the same, but the image of these great kings, these wise kings coming to the manger and bowing down and worshiping a baby. It must have been shocking for Mary and for Joseph and everyone else that saw it. I mean, this is no ordinary baby though, is it? A child born fully human and fully divine one that was to save the world. One that could, growing as an adult, walk on water. One that could turn water into wine. One that could feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. One that was born king of kings, and these wise men knew it. They humbled themselves and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And there's a lesson in that alone for us. Because not only as we make that journey to the manger, you know, last week we talked about the shepherds and how they were called as the most unlikely of characters, that Christ came for them, but Christ also came for those that were at the top of the food chain, if you will. And no matter how high and mighty the wise men thought of themselves, they were smart enough to bow down and to worship the child born king of kings. So what does that inform us? That maybe if you've done your genealogy and you found out that you're the 15th cousin of the king of Spain or that you know you've descended from European royalty or you're an elder in your tribe or maybe you're just the king or queen of all that you see, including the laundry room. It doesn't matter 
because Christ is born for us just like Christ was born for the shepherds. No matter where we see ourselves in the social strata, Christ was born for us, but more importantly, we are called to bow down and worship. We are called to humble ourselves before Christ, to follow the star of the manger, and to park our ego, our self-importance, our station in life, and to just bow down and say, Christ is our King, our Lord of Lords. You see, in that humility, we put Christ first. In that humility, we, we try to live our lives following God's will first and foremost. Listening to those teachings first and foremost, and those become our guiding principles, not our own selfish ambition, not our own ego, not our own heart, but more importantly, what would Christ have us do? Who would Christ have us be in our lives? See, then we begin to realize that our journey across those arduous times was to just not only see the Christ child, but to also humble ourselves before him and realize that we are Christ's humble servants and that Christ is our king. But even then, as the Magi came and as they worshiped, they did what any one of us would do when there's a new baby. They brought gifts, right? Now, they didn't bring the most practical gifts. They didn't bring diapers or blankets or anything like that. They brought really fine gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, gold, we can figure out what to do with. There's a lot of buying power with gold, but frankincense and myrrh, I mean, perfume and oil? Come on! But what does it say? They were the finest gifts. They brought the very best that they had. They brought it and they laid it in front of Mary and Joseph. They gave it to Christ. What do you and I on our journey, what do we bring to Christ on our journey? Do we bring the gifts of the greatest value? Do we bring gifts that will last a lifetime? Do we give our very best? A lot of times we think about giving and we think about, oh, we're talking about giving to the church and our financial resources, the first fruits of the labor of our hands. And yes, that is what the church is talking about. But we do that because of gratitude a way of saying thanks, but more importantly, what I hope that we're thinking about this time of year in bringing our best to the manger is the best of our talents, the best of our time, the best of our compassion, the best of our very beings, the best of our whole selves, because truly the best gifts are those that come from the heart. It's not about the dollar amount. It's about the intent of what's in here. It's about the intent and the commitment of our hearts. See, that's what the wise men taught us. They brought the very best to show us that we are to bring our very best. So as we journey, as we bow down, we too must do just that. Shock the world with our very best. So think back with me to that first question. What made that gift 
those gifts that make your top 10 favorite gifts of all time, what made that gift or one of those gifts so special? Ask the person with that tin can wrapped in cord or the one carrying the worn pocket knife that really doesn't cut anything or even a book, an old book on a shelf. Ask us. What makes those gifts special is that they are gifts from the heart given to us by people who love us. Those are people that understand the message of the Magi. So as we too follow the star, as we follow, as we make our journey to Bethlehem, what we need to do is focus on making the same kind of gifts to the world from our very being. Gifts from the heart, gifts that have meaning, gifts that have an impact, gifts that bring good joy to everyone. But more importantly, as we journey to see the Christ child, no matter how long our journey might be, no matter what we face, as we bow down and say, Lord Jesus, you are the Christ child, you are my Lord and Savior, I give you my all. Here I am, Lord, use me. Because when we do that, the gifts we give come from the heart, and those are the ones that change the world around us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.